Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible Deuteronomy 31 In this chapter Moses, having finished his sermon, 1. Encourages both the people who were now to enter Canaan, verses 1-6, and Joshua who was to lead them, verses 7, 8, and 23. And 2. He takes care for the keeping of these things always in their remembrance after his decease, 1. By the book of the law which was, 1. Written. 2. Delivered into the custody of the priests, verses 9 and 24 to 27. 3. Ordered to be publicly read every seventh year, verses 10 to 13. 2. By a song which God orders Moses to prepare for their instruction and admonition. 1. He calls Moses and Joshua to the door of the tabernacle, verses 14 and 15. 2. He foretells the apostasy of Israel in process of time, and the judgments they would thereby bring upon themselves, verses 16-18. 3. He prescribes the following song to be a witness against them, verses 19-21. 4. Moses wrote it, verse 22. And delivered it to Israel, with an intimation of the design of it, as he had received it from the Lord, verse 28, etc. Solemn Warnings Joshua encouraged, 1451 B.C. 1 And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. 2 And he said unto them, I am a hundred and twenty years old this day, I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. 3 The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them, and Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. For and the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sion and to O.G., kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them, whom he destroyed. 5 And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. 6 Be strong and of a good, good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. 7 And Moses called unto Joshua, and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. 8 And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. Loath to part, we say, bids oft farewell. Moses does so to the children of Israel, not because he was loath to go to God, but because he was loath to leave them, fearing that when he had left them they would leave God. He had finished what he had to say to them by way of counsel and exhortation, here he calls them together to give them a word of encouragement, especially with reference to the wars of Canaan, in which they were now to engage. It was a discouragement to them that Moses was to be removed at a time when he could so will be spared, though Joshua was continued to fight for them in the valley, they would want Moses to intercede for them on the hill, as he did, Exodus 17 verse 10. But there is no remedy, Moses can no more go out and come in, verse 2. Not that he was disabled by any decay either of body or mind, for his natural force was not abetted, chapter 24 verse 7. But he cannot any longer discharge his office, for, 1. He is 120 years old, and it is time for him to think of resigning his honor and returning to his rest. He that had arrived at so great an age then, when seventy or eighty was the ordinary stint, 
as appears by the prayer of Moses, Psalm 90 verse 10, might well think that he had accomplished as a hireling his day. 2. He is under a divine sentence, Thou shalt not go over Jordan. Thus a full stop was put to his usefulness, hitherto he must go, hitherto he must serve, but no further. So God had appointed it and Moses acquiesces, for I know not why we should any of us desire to live a day longer than while God has work for us to do, nor shall we be accountable for more time than is allotted us. But though Moses must not go over himself, he is anxious to encourage those that must. 1. He encourages the people, and never could any general animate his soldiers upon such good grounds as those on which Moses here encourages Israel. 1. He assures them of the constant presence of God with them, verse 3 The Lord thy God. That has led thee and kept thee hitherto will go over before thee, and those might follow boldly who were sure that they had God for their leader. He repeats it again, verse 6, with an emphasis, The Lord thy God, the great Jehovah, who is thine in covenant, he it is, he and no less, he and no other, that goes before thee, not only who by his promise has assured thee that he will go before thee, but by his ark, the visible token of his presence, shows thee that he does actually go before thee. And he repeats it with enlargement, not only he goes over before thee at first, to bring thee in, but he will continue with thee all along, with thee in thine, he will not fail thee nor forsake thee, he will not disappoint thy expectations in any strait, nor will he ever desert thy interest, be constant to him, and he will be so to thee. This is applied by the Apostle to all God's spiritual Israel, for the encouragement of their faith and hope, unto us is this gospel preached, as well as unto them, he will never fail thee, nor forsake thee, Hebrews 13 verse 5. 2. He commends Joshua to them for a leader, Joshua, he shall go over before thee, verse 3. One whose conduct and courage and sincere affection to their interest, they had had long experience of, and one whom God had ordained and appointed to be their leader, and therefore, no doubt, would own and bless, and make a blessing to them. See Numbers 27 verse 18. Note, it is a great encouragement to a people when, instead of some useful instruments that are removed, God raises up others to carry on his work. 3. He ensures their success. The greatest generals, supported with the greatest advantages, must yet own the issues of war to be doubtful and uncertain, the battle is not always to the strong nor to the bold, an ill accident unthought of may turn the scale against the highest hopes. But Moses had warrant from God to assure Israel that, notwithstanding the disadvantages they labored under, they should certainly be victorious. A coward will fight when he is sure to be a conqueror. God undertakes to do the work he will destroy these nations, and Israel shall do little else than divide the spoil thou shalt possess them, verse 3. Two things might encourage their hopes of this, one. The victories they had already obtained over Sion and Og, verse 4, from which they might infer both the power of God, that he could do what he had done, and the purpose of God, that he would finish what he had begun to do. Thus must we improve our experience. 2. The command God had given them to destroy the Canaanites, chapter 7 verse 2, chapter 12 verse 2, to which he refers here, verse 5, that you may do unto them according to all which I have commanded you, and from which they might infer, infer that, if God had commanded them to destroy the Canaanites, no doubt he would put it into the power of their hands to do it. Note, what God has made our duty we have reason to expect opportunity and assistance from him for the doing of. So that from all this he had reason enough to bid them be strong and of a good courage, verse 6. 
While they had the power of God engaged for them they had no reason to fear all the powers of Canaan engaged against them. 2. He encourages Joshua, verses 7 and 8. Observe, 1. Though Joshua was an experienced general and a man of approved gallantry and resolution, who had already signalized himself in many brave actions, yet Moses saw cause to bid him be of good courage, now that he was entering upon a new scene of action and Joshua was far from taking it as an affront, or as a tacit questioning of his courage, to be thus charged, as sometimes we find proud and peevish spirits invidiously taking exhortations and admonitions for reproaches and reflections. Joshua himself is very well pleased to be admonished by Moses to be strong and of good courage. 2. He gives him this charge in the sight of all Israel, that they might be the more observant of him whom they saw thus solemnly inaugurated, and that he might set himself the more to be an example of courage to the people who were witnesses to this charge here given to him as well as to themselves. 3. He gives him the same assurances of the divine presence, and consequently of a glorious success, that he had given the people. God would be with him, would not forsake him, and therefore he should certainly accomplish the glorious enter enterprise to which he was called and commissioned. Thou shalt cause them to inherit the land of promise. Note, those shall speed well that have God with them, and therefore they ought to be of good courage. Through God let us do valiantly, for through him we shall do victoriously, if we resist the devil, he shall flee, and God shall shortly tread him under our feet. The Reading of the Law, 1451 B.C. 9 And Moses wrote this law, and delivered it unto the priests the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. 10 And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles, 11 When all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. 12 Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear, and that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law. 13 And that their children, which have not known any anything, may hear, and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as ye live in the land whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. The law was given by Moses, so it is said, John 1 verse 17. He was not only entrusted to deliver it to that generation, but to transmit it to the generations to come, and here it appears that he was faithful to that trust. 1. Moses wrote this law, verse 9. The learned bishop Patrick understands this of all the five books of Moses, which are often called the law. He supposes that though Moses had written most of the Pentateuch before, yet he did not finish it till now. Now he put his last hand to that sacred volume. Many think that the law here, especially since it is called this law, this grand abridgment of the law, is to be understood of this book of Deuteronomy, all those discourses to the people which have taken up this whole book, he, being in them divinely inspired, wrote them as the word of God. He wrote this law of one. That those who had heard it might often review it themselves, and call it to mind. 2. That it might be the more safely handed down to posterity. Note, the church has received abundance of advantage from the writing, as well as from the preaching, of divine things, faith comes not only by hearing, but by reading. The same care that was taken of the law, thanks be to God, is taken of the gospel too. Soon after it was preached it was written, that it might reach to those on whom the ends of the world shall come. 2. Having written it, he committed it to the care and custody of the priests, priests and elders. 
he delivered one authentic copy to the priests, to be laid up by the ark, verse 26, there to remain as a standard by which all other copies must be tried. And it is supposed that he gave another copy to the elders of each tribe, to be transcribed by all of that tribe that were so disposed. Some observed that the elders, as well as the priests, were entrusted with the law, to intimate that magistrates by the power, as well as ministers by their doctrine, are to maintain religion, and to take care that the law be not broken nor lost. 3. He appointed the public reading of this law in a general assembly of all Israel every seventh year. The pious Jews, it is very probable, read the laws daily in their families, and Moses of old time was read in the synagogue every Sabbath day, Acts 15 verse 21. But once in seven years, that the law might be the more magnified and made honorable, it must be read in a general assembly. Though we read the word in private, we must not think it needless to hear it read in public. Now here he give direction. 1. When this solemn reading of the law must be, that the time might add to the solemnity, it must be done. 1. In the year of release. In that year the land rested, so that they could the better spare time to attend this service. Servants who were then discharged, and poor debtors who were then acquitted from their debts, must know that, having the benefit of the law, it was justly expected they should yield obedience to it, and therefore give up themselves to be God's servants, because he had loosed their bonds. The year of release was typical of gospel grace, which therefore is called the acceptable year of the Lord, for our remission and liberty by Christ engage us to keep his commandments, Luke 1 verses 74 and 75. 2. At the Feast of Tabernacles in that year. In that feast they were particularly required to rejoice before God, Leviticus 23 verse 40. Therefore then they must read the law, both to qualify their mirth and keep it in due bounds, and to sanctify their mirth, that they might make the law of God the matter of their rejoicing, and might read it with pleasure and not as a task. 2. To whom it must be read, to all Israel, verse 11, men, women, and children, and the strangers, verse 12. The women and children were not obliged to go up to the other feasts, but to this only in which the law was read. Note, it is the will of God that all people should acquaint themselves with his word. It is a rule to all, and therefore should be read to all. It is supposed that, since all Israel could not possibly meet in one place, nor could one man's voice reach them all, as many as the courts of the Lord's house would hold met there, and the rest at the same time in their synagogues. The Jewish doctors say that the hearers were bound to prepare their hearts, and to hear with fear and reverence, and with joy and trembling, as in the day when the law was given on Mount Sinai, and though there were great and wise men who knew the whole law very well, yet they were bound to hear with great attention, for he that reads is the messenger of the congregation to cause the words of God to be heard. I wish those that hear the gospel read and preached would consider this. 3. By whom it must be read, thou shalt read it, verse 11, thou, O Israel, by a proper person appointed for that purpose, or thou, O Joshua, their chief ruler, Accordingly we find that he did read the law himself, Joshua 8 verses 34 and 35. So did Josiah, 2 Chronicles 34 verse 30 and Ezra, Nehemiah 8 verse 3. And the Jews say that the king himself, when they had one, was the person that read in the courts of the temple, that a pul pulpit was set up for that purpose in the midst of the court, in which the king stood, that the book of the law was delivered to him by the high priest, that he stood up to receive it, uttered a prayer, as every one did that was to read the law in public, before he read, and then, if he pleased, he might sit down and read.
but if he read standing it was thought the more commendable, as, they say, King Agrippa did. Here let me offer it as a conjecture that Solomon is called the preacher, in his Ecclesiastes, because he delivered the substance of that book in a discourse to the people, after his public reading of the law and the Feast of Tabernacles, according to this appointment here. For, for what ended must be thus solemnly read. 1. That the present generation might hereby keep up their acquaintance with the law of God, verse 12. They must hear, that they may learn, and fear God, and observe to do their duty. See here what we are to aim at in hearing the word, we must hear, that we may learn and grow in knowledge, and every time we read the scriptures we shall find that there is still more and more to be learned out of them. We must learn, that we may fear God, that is, that we may be duly affected with di divine things, and must fear God, that we may observe and do the words of his law, for in vain do we pretend to fear him if we do not obey him. 2. That the rising generation might be times be leavened with religion, verse 13, not only that those who know something may thus know more, but that the children who have not known anything may be times know this, how much it is their interest as well as duty to fear God. Apostasy foretold, 1451 BC. 14 And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thy days approach that thou must die, call Joshua, and present yourselves in the tabernacle of the congregation, that I may give him a charge. And Moses and Joshua went, and presented themselves in the tabernacle of the congregation. 15 And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle in a pillar of a cloud, and the pillar of the cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. 16 And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up, and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. 17 Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? 18 And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought, in that they are turned unto other gods. 19 Now therefore write ye this song for you, and teach it the children of Israel, put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. 20 For when I shall have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers, that floweth with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves, and waxen fat, then will they turn unto other gods, and serve them, and provoke me, and, and break my covenant. 21 And it shall come to pass, when many evils and troubles are befallen them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed, for I know their imagination which they go about, even now, before I have brought them into the land which I swear. Here, 1. Moses and Joshua are summoned to attend the divine majesty at the door of the tabernacle, verse 14. Moses is told again that he must shortly die, even those that are most ready and willing to die have need to be often reminded of the approach of death. In consideration of this, he must come himself to meet God, for whatever improves our communion with God furthers our preparation for death. He must also bring Joshua with him to be presented to God for a successor, and to receive his commission and charge. Moses readily obeys the summons for he was not one of those that look with an evil eye upon their successors, but, on the contrary, rejoiced in him. 2. God graciously gives them the meeting, he appeared in the tabernacle, as the Shechina used to appear, in a pillar of a cloud, verse 15. This is the only time in all this book that we read of the glory of God appearing, 
whereas we often read of it in the three foregoing books, which perhaps signifies that in the latter days, under the evangelical law, such visible appearances as these of the divine glory are not to be expected, but we must take heed to the more sure word of prophecy. 3. He tells Moses that, after his death, the covenant which he had taken so much pains to make between Israel and their God would certainly be broken. 1. That Israel would forsake God, verse 16. And we may be sure that if the covenant between God and man be broken the blame must lie on man, it is he that breaks it, we have often observed it, that God never leaves any till they first leave him. Worshipping the gods of the Canaanites, who had been the natives, but henceforward were to be looked upon as the strangers of that land, would undoubtedly be counted a deserting of God and, like adultery, a violation of the covenant. Thus still those are revolters from Christ, and will be so adjudged, who either make a god of their money by reigning covetousness or a god of their belly by reigning sensuality. Those that turn to other gods, verse 18, forsake their own mercies. This apostasy of theirs is foretold to be the effect of their prosperity, verse 20 they shall have eaten and filled themselves, this is all they will aim at in eating, to gratify their own appetites, and then they will wax fat, grow secure and sensual, their security will take off their dread of God and his judgments, and their sensuality will incline them to the idolatries of the heathen, which made provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts of it. Note, God has a clear and infallible foresight of all the wickedness of the wicked, and has often covenanted with those who he knew would deal very treacherously, Isaiah 48 verse 8, and conferred many favors on those who he knew would deal very ungratefully. 2. That then God would forsake Israel, and justly does he cast those off who had so unjustly cast him off, verse 17 My anger shall be kindled against them, and I will forsake them. His providence would forsake them, no longer to protect and prosper them, and then they would become a prey to all their neighbors. His spirit and grace would forsake them, no longer to teach and guide them, and then they would be more and more bigoted, besotted, and hardened in their idolatries. Thus many evils and troubles would befall them. Verses 17 and 21, which would be such manifest indications of God's displeasure against them that they themselves would be constrained to own it, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us. Those that have sinned away their God will find that thereby they pull all mischiefs upon their own heads. But that which completed their misery was that God would hide his face from them in that day, that day of their trouble and distress, verse 18. Whatever outward troubles we are in, if we have but the light of God's countenance, we may be easy. But, if God hide his face from us in our prayers, we are undone. For, he directs Moses to deliver them a song, in the composing of which he should be divinely inspired, and which should remain a standing testimony for God as faithful to them and giving them warning, and against them as persons false to themselves and not taking the warning, verse 19. The written word in general, as well as this song in particular, is a witness for God against all those that break covenant with him. It shall be for a testimony, Matthew 24 verse 14. The wisdom of man has devised many ways of conveying the knowledge of good and evil by laws, histories, prophecies, proverbs, and, among the rest, by songs, each has its advantages. And the wisdom of God has in the scripture made use of them all, that ignorant and careless men might be left inexcusable. 1. This song, if rightly improved, might be a means to prevent their apostasy, for in the inditing of it God had an eye to their present imagination, now, before they were brought into the land of promise, verse 21. God knew very well that there were in their hearts such gross conceits of the deity, and such inclinations of idolatry, 
that they would be tender to the sparks of that temptation, and therefore in this song he gives them warning of their danger that way. Note, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of men's hearts, and meets with them strangely by its reproofs and corrections, Hebrews 4 verse 12. Compare 1 Corinthians 14 verse 25. Ministers who preach the word know not the imaginations men go about, but God, whose word it is, knows perfectly. 2. If this song did not prevent their apostasy, yet it might help to bring them to repentance, and to recover them from their apostasy. When their troubles come upon them, this song shall not be forgotten, but may serve as a glass to show them their own faces, that they may humble themselves, and return to him from whom they have revolted. Note, those for whom God has mercy in store he may leave to fall, yet he will provide means for their recovery. Medicines are prepared beforehand for their cure. The Song of Moses, 1451 B.C. 22 Moses therefore wrote this song the same day, and taught it the children of Israel. 23 And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge, and said, Be strong, and of a good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. 24 And it came to pass, when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book, until they were finished, 25 That Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, 26 Take this book of the law, and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against thee. 27 For I know thy rebellion, and thy stiff neck, behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, ye have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death, death. 28 Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes, and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears, and call heaven and earth to record against them. 29 For I know that after my death ye will utterly corrupt yourselves, and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, because ye will do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. 30 And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song, until they were ended. Here, 1. The charge is given to Joshua, which God has said, verse 14, he would give him. The same in effect that Moses had given him. The same in effect that Moses had given him, verse 7 be strong, and of a good courage, verse 23. Joshua had now heard from God so much of the wickedness of the people whom he was to have the conduct of as could not but be a discouragement to him, nay, says God, how bad soever they are, thou shalt go through thy understanding, for I will be with thee. Thou shalt put them into possession of Canaan. If they afterwards by their sin throw themselves out of it again, that will be no fault of thine, nor any dishonor to thee, therefore be of good courage. 2. The solemn delivery of the book of the law to the Levites, to be deposited in the side of the ark, is here again related, verses 24-26, of which before, verse 9. Only they are here directed where to treasure up this precious original, not in the ark, there only the two tables were preserved, but in another box by the side of the ark. It is prob probable that this was the very book that was found in the house of the Lord, having been somehow or other misplaced, in the days of Josiah, 2 Chronicles 34 verse 14, and so perhaps the following words here, that it may be a witness against thee, may particularly point at that event, which happened so long after, for the finding of this very book occasioned the public reading of it by Josiah himself for a witness against a people who were then almost ripe for their ruin by the Babylonians. 3. The song which follows in the next chapter is here delivered to Moses, and by him to the people. 
He wrote it first, verse 22, as the Spirit of God indicated it, and then spoke it in the ears of all the congregation, verse 30, and taught it to them, verse 22, that is, gave out copies of it, and ordered the people to learn it by heart. It was delivered by word of mouth first, and afterwards in writing, to the elders and officers, as the representatives of their respective tribes, verse 28, by them to be transmitted to their several families and households. It was delivered to them with a solemn appeal to heaven and earth concerning the fair warning which was given them by it of the fatal consequences of their apostasy from God, and with a declaration of the little joy and little hope Moses had in and concerning them. 1. He declares what little joy he had had of them while he was with them, verse 27. It is not in a passion that he says, I know thy rebellion, as once he said unadvisedly, Here now, you rebels, but it is the result of a long acquaintance with them you have been rebellious against the Lord. Their rebellions against himself he makes no mention of, these he had long since forgiven and forgotten, but they must be made to hear of their rebellions against God, that they may be ever repented of and never repeated. 2. What little hopes he had of them now that he was leaving them. From what God had now said to him, verse 16, more than from his own experience of them, though that was discouraging enough, he tells them, verse 29, I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves. Many a sad thought, no doubt, it occasioned to this good man, to foresee the apostasy and ruin of a people he had taken so much pains with, in order to them good and make them happy, but this was his comfort, that he had done his duty, and that God would be glorified, if not in their settlement, yet in their dispersion. Thus our Lord Jesus, a little before his death, foretold the rise of false Christs and false prophets, Matthew 24 verse 24, notwithstanding which, and all the apostasies of the latter times, we may be confident that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church for the foundation of God stands sure.